0: Welcome back to Guys Gabin Gridiron, everybody. I know we've been away for a little bit, but now we're back behind the mic. And as always, I am Tex here with Rally P. Does the P stand for pain? I'm just curious.
1: Uh, it's actually a universal. Uh, it could be pacer. It could be pain. It could be whatever you want to be. It could just be P because the P stands out. <laughs> but a lot of times it's just uh, underneath uh, Rally.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Speaking of pain, training camps for the NFL are underway right now. Oh boy. It's really hot outside. And yep. they call it the dog days of summer for a reason. It is just
1: not just good. Just ducky. Just ducky, right? Sarcasm, obviously.
0: Obviously. But, anyways. More pain to talk about. Ryan Jensen, Buccaneers center. He's going to miss a few months this season. Yikes. This is going to... really change the dynamics... not only of the Buccaneers, but of that entire division. Suddenly, you have teams like the Saints and the Panthers that have made upgrades this offseason. It looks like that division title could be within striking distance. Now, obviously... I'm not going to go as far to say that the Buccaneers finish anywhere other than first, as long as you got that old geezer quarterback. They should be the favorites, even though they lost all three of their starting interior offensive linemen. Allie Marpet retired, Alex is now in Cincinnati, Ryan Jensen's out for a while. They did bring in Shaq Mason, former teammate of Brady's in New England, so... I think in the end they'll probably be fine, but it will take some time to gel with that. The Week 2 matchup with the Saints could be pretty big. Obviously, the Saints have had regular season mastery over the Buccaneers over the past couple seasons. We'll see if that continues.
1: Uh, That situation's a little bit of a mess. Now, granted, it's not the playoffs, thankfully. But uh, if it was playoff time and you got your three interior offensive line out, not good, particularly if it's against a team like, uh, say, the Rams, per se.
0: Definitely. Yeah, that's
1: that's not – it doesn't matter because you say, hey, uh, we're going to have our center – and our left guard team up against Aaron Donald. And he just goes, eh, hold my beer. Hi, Brady. Pretty much. That's just no. how the game goes. Now, the only, with everybody signing to the Bucks, so it seems, I mean, we understand that Gronkowski's retired, which, again, that's always big because Gronkowski, when healthy on the field, he is a force. He's one of the greatest tight ends of all time for a reason.
0: Definitely. Guy was a total package. He could block as well as anybody. He obviously didn't have the speed anymore, but he was still such a threat in the red zone. He's going to be missed.
1: I mean, he didn't even have to run. It's just all he has to do is just push the other guy out of his way, and he's never lost those hands outside of his speed he never really missed a step it's true because the talent stayed there retirement and coming back you know the catches the touchdowns the quality the presence he was there and so yep. without that we we're kind of wondering we're like okay could godwin and godwin was coming off injury yes evans And then you're like, okay, what else is there? Okay, we got Julio Jones on a one-year deal. It's like, great, Julio. We know you're ring-chasing, but of all the the teams that he could have signed with, it just happens to be, of course, the Super Bowl contender. You know, one of the favorites to win it all. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's just one of those things i mean we're gonna say hey you could have went to green bay but everybody who keeps saying that all these wide receivers are going to green bay okay how many of them did you actually get you didn't draft any odell beckham jr didn't go julio didn't go are we gonna go for like the next 10 years where it's like oh the packers should get this wide receiver their guy yeah it's not happening keep moving on
0: Well, it's not entirely true. They did spend their second-round pick on Christian Watson, the receiver from North Dakota State, and then Romeo Dobbs, a mid-round pick. I know about him because he's been saying that he's been doing good in camp, and also I picked him up in the rookie draft in my Dynasty Fantasy League. So I'm definitely hoping for something there, and I mean, there will be plenty of opportunities in Green Bay this year. But regarding Julio Jones, I still don't think he's got much left. Even if he does stay healthy, he just doesn't look the same. He had a few moments last year in Tennessee, but it's just not consistent enough. And he's going to be the fourth receiver on this team. People forget about Russell Gage, former Falcon that was brought into Tampa. He will be the third receiver making julio jones the fourth and i just don't know that i see four wideouts on the field at one time like this is not an air raid offense
1: well i think if you're i think if you're tom brady and you know three of your offensive linemen are down now if you remember the patriot system What was the main thing that they did for all those years? Tom Brady was one of the quarterbacks to get the ball out of his hands the quickest. Two seconds, he's throwing the ball. Five to ten yard passes all the way down the stretch. No huddle offenses. The defense is huffing and puffing, trying to get it there. Hey, third down, no problem. We got Gronkowski. It it was just a system that worked. But if you look at it, let's just take, uh, well, the way that his weight works. Laren Fournette, let's say he plays uh, at second at a tight end. Let's say he plays for tight end to help block in for a play. Look at those wide receivers to throw to, those four you just mentioned. Godwin, Evans, Gage, Julio. You're telling me in a short pass he can't find one of those four?
0: Maybe, but like you said, the offensive line is not at its best. The rush up the gut has been the secret sauce. Okay, maybe it's not so secret, but that's been Brady's Achilles' heel. Now, granted, it's tough for anybody, and obviously it's a lot easier said than done. But if you have a strong interior rush that can push the pocket back into Brady's face, Brady's not going to escape that. So, obviously, you talk about getting the ball out quickly, and we all know he's great at it, but at the same time, you know, if defensive linemen are in your face, it's kind of hard to throw the ball. Also, I just don't know that Julio will even need to be covered more than one-on-one anymore.
1: Definitely. Obviously,
0: Julio still has size, but... I just don't know that he has the speed anymore to really command special attention. So I really don't think it'll be a high impact signing, but I guess we'll see. And then you I talked just... about Fournette. Yeah, dude came <laughs> to camp at 260 pounds. Maybe he's trying to be one of these new interior offensive linemen.
1: Seriously, how long did he celebrate for? Like, there's only one other athlete who I could think of who gained an insane amount of weight during this, and uh, I forget the guy's name, but I remember in one off season. This is a baseball player, mind you. In one off season, he gained sixty pounds. What? Sixty pounds from now. Think about it. That's October, November, December, January. Halfway through February, he showed up to camp, gained 60 pounds. Jeez. And they actually say he is the one athlete that literally ate himself out of baseball. Now, I'm not saying this is the case for Leonard Fournette, but there's already jokes saying he's like he's going up to Tom Brady and like, what's this avocado toast crap that you consume? I mean, for crying out loud, dude, were you celebrating the Super Bowl too hard and only stopped a month ago? You're telling me that you were just hitting the tequila and freaking tacos the whole time? Just carving out and drinking? Like, come on.
0: Right. That's that's a little crazy.
1: I mean, a running back, if you said, hey, are – Backup guard gained thirty pounds this offseason. Okay, he's six five, he's three thirty instead of three hundred where you want him to be. Okay, we can beat this. Your running back gains thirty pounds after he signed a three-year contract. Not good. Not good.
0: It is not. Speaking of an air raid offense, we're not gonna go out to the desert and talk about Kyler Murray's new deal. Out there in that system, I was just like, (laughs) I couldn't believe that there was something in there about mandatory film study for four hours a week. Brady's just like, yeah, that's an afternoon for me. What you talking about, Willis? But anyways, Kyler Murray likes to play video games, apparently. And this reminds me of a Johnny Manziel quote. He's like, I don't have a drinking problem. The Browns have a problem with me drinking. It's like Kyler
1: would be like, I don't
0: play video games. The Cardinals have a problem with me playing video games. Oh boy.
1: I mean, he's known as a Phase K one. He is a face clan player, but at the same time, video games are not. We know a lot of guys play Madden. A lot of, of players themselves play Madden. There's a lot of NBA players that play 2k, but at the end of the day, This scares me. Okay. Listen. Screw the video game jokes. Screw the short jokes. At the end of the day. It's effort. It's accountability. It's about maturity. Listen. I'm a gamer. And I still study hard. And I go to work. I'm not doubting that he doesn't. Do anything for preparation. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. But at the end of the day. You have a team that is not good enough for the playoffs consistently. You have a team that is kind of struggling in certain aspects. How are you going to constantly get to the playoffs, constantly underperform, and just keep these contracts intact saying there's nothing wrong? Kingsbury getting an extension. Murray getting an extension. In four years together, what have they done that's been positive besides embarrassingly lose one game in the playoffs?
0: Well, that's just about it. Really not much else to write home about, but I think the Cardinals really didn't have a lot of choice here. Who else were they going to get at quarterback at this point in time? You want to trade for Baker? You want to trade for Jimmy G? really think either of those are going to? get you where you want to go
1: i mean the part there's... for
0: the cardinals is they just they don't seem to understand what they are are they trying to build or are they trying to win now if you want to win now why'd you let chandler jones go you did pick up hollywood brown which i think will be pretty good it seemed like a massive appeasement of kyler murray and maybe they've patched things up maybe the re- relationship between him and the organization has improved for their sake, hopefully. Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury really didn't have another option. So, yep, I mean... we're hitching our wagon to this guy. Hope for the best. You're going to need it. Speaking of Jimmy G, so the 49ers have said that Trey Lance is going to be their starter this year. So do you think that Jimmy G gets sent away after a quarterback gets injured this year? Or do you think he'll be dealt before the season? How do you see that playing out?
1: You obviously lost the trade value after announcing that. the This whole thing was weird because it's like, oh, Trey Lance is going to training. Have they announced anything as process? Or everyone's just like, uh, yeah, no, he's just uh, here with the coaches. And everyone's like, where's the improvement? Are we going to have a platoon quarterback system?
0: You don't draft a guy number three overall and trade a bounty to get him to have a platoon quarterback. I can understand why you didn't start him last year, because he was raw. He didn't play during the COVID season in college, yada, yada, yada. Again, I was never totally sold on him coming out of school. Kind of the same way I wasn't sold on Carson Wentz and... The way that has turned out, it looks like it's justified. Wentz had a flash in the pan, but just has not been able to sustain it since. And while I know they're not exactly the same player, you do just wonder about the level of competition that they faced. I'll believe it when I see it. That's all I'm going to say about that. And the other guy I mentioned they could trade for, Baker Mayfield. So he actually did get traded to the Panthers... And I think just about anyone could have seen that coming. Just about. Where does that leave Carolina coming into this year? Before, we thought that they were going to be a top-five drafting team again with good old Darnold Donut at quarterback. But now you have Baker, who is decent. Obviously, nothing earth-shattering, but he has shown that you can win with him. He's got good receivers row two. The big question is how is the offensive line going to hold up? And obviously can Christian McCaffrey stay healthy? This team looks like one that could push for a wild card spot, but they would need a lot of things to go right.
1: Including now there's a lot of people wondering about Baker as far as talent, maturity, being a leader, and regardless of what's true, it's very hard to just go into uh, an organization that's dysfunctional, and that would be the way to describe them. They are a dysfunctional franchise. Yep. Just like the Browns. Now, granted, the Browns were nothing before Baker became a starter and they committed to him, but can you go to another dysfunctional organization and can the offensive line hold up? Could the midfield of the linebackers? And not sure if I, I don't love the secondary, but it's not horrible because of injuries and everything else. Can the defense hold up? Everyone's gonna critique Baker and say, "Hey, if this is the Baker show, I want a front row seat, and he better perform." There's a lot of factors, and yeah, Christian McCaffrey is going to be a factor if Robbie Anderson could be the wide receiver that they thought he was going to be with the Jets. Did they draft well or did they not? I think there's a lot of pressure on Carolina, particularly for Matt Rule. Definitely. Because he's the number one head coach on the hot seat. Number one. I've been saying it for months. He has the hottest chair in the NFL. I would agree
0: with you on that.
1: So is he going to push for a couple of things? Is he going to send a couple of things? Is he going to just admit his fate, dig his grave, and lay in it? I don't know. But if I'm Matt Rule and Baker Mayfield, I want to swing for the fences, but I want to do it the smart way.
0: Right. Right. I want to shift gears a little bit here. I want to talk about some spring football. Ooh. So since we've last talked, there has been the USFL championship, which was won, not surprisingly, by the Birmingham Stallions. It's a pretty good game against the Philadelphia Stars in the championship. Looked like the Stars were hanging with them. Maybe they could pull it off, but in the end, Stallions just pulled away. The USFL, it was just not something that gripped me. It just it just lacked something structure. Maybe, it, well, no, it seemed like it was pretty structured. I guess it was just weird looking at those Birmingham games when the not Birmingham team was playing there, and it looked like it was a 2020 NFL stadium where you had no fans. I mean, it just. Mm. Just the thing that got me... graded after a while, and you know, there were some decent games, but some other not good ones. I feel like the players didn't have enough time to really get ready for the season, and so they'll be coming back, and I think they'll be a little bit better.
1: Correct. And now we've that... also
0: had the XFL 3.0 announce their cities. Ooh. So... The new cities for XFL are going to be Seattle, Vegas, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, St. Louis, Orlando, and Washington, D.C. On most of these, I think they hit. The Seattle Dragons in 2020 were having a pretty good turnout. St. Louis Battlehawks absolutely 100% had to come back. They were just killing it in St. Louis. People give St. Louis a bad rap saying they're not a football city. Poppycock. Problem with St. Louis is they've just gotten sloppy seconds from everybody else, but they like their football there. It's more than just a baseball city, and they were about to open up the upper deck of the Edward Jones Dome or whatever it's called now before COVID just came and wiped them out, but I guarantee you they're going to be the top turnout Next spring, then you have Vegas, it's the trendy pick. Everything's going to Vegas now,
1: seems that way.
0: Yeah, and then obviously, three teams in Texas was a little surprising. I'd say Houston was the most surprising because they had the gamblers from the USFL. So now you're going to have two spring league teams in Houston, as football crazy as Texas is. I'm just not sure there's enough room for two startups in that city. It's going to be really interesting to see how it goes. I think the XFL is going to have to really differentiate itself from the NFL in some way. And I feel like the USFL just didn't quite do that. But the San Antonio Commanders are going to be coming back from the AAF. That was a good one. As well with the Orlando Apollos. And then The D.C. Defenders, I'm guessing, from XFL 2.0. I think it's a pretty conservative play in the cities that they went into, but, you know, Vegas is a little bit of a risk. I might have gone a little bit of a different way, maybe go with a team more eastern. Maybe a team, maybe Louisville, Kentucky. Sort of an untapped market. Maybe a team or a city other than Charlotte, North Carolina, maybe Raleigh. But regardless, it'll be interesting to see where this whole spring football trend goes. We just don't really know.
1: Very true.
0: Might end up with a war, might end up with a merger. It'll be fun to see over the next few years what happens.
1: The Texas thing, I'm not sure if I see a problem with it, though, because, I mean, some of the stadiums are so big for just high school, you wonder why they can't close the yearbook. The the stadiums
0: aren't the issue. It's just, are there going to be enough fans of it? Are people going to get invested in two leagues? Are they going to be one over the other? I I don't really know. I'm just not totally convinced that XFL and Houston – is going to be quite as good. Of course, the problem is I understand. USFL teams didn't play in their host cities this past spring. So maybe it's maybe gonna going come to come in, it's it. going to be even. Maybe the gamblers and the XFL team, they're going to have to compete for hearts and minds. Would be well, interesting to see, but I still think the XFL would have been wiser to go for a different market.
1: I still think it's wise for them to go in D.C. because of everything going out at the Commanders. I mean, they showed up, they packed the place, and for some people complain about the attendance dipped. Well, as far as I'm concerned, you had people not showing up to Nick games in Madison Square Garden because of COVID before they announced the shutdown. So what does that tell you? They thought it was because of Spike Lee and him protesting the team. No, it was COVID. And everyone's wondering why less and less and less people are going to the garden. Because most people are infected. So from there, uh, what else do you guys? You want to jump around the league or Yeah, I think
0: we could just wrap this up by other things that you're looking for in training camp right now.
1: All right, what do you got?
0: Well, I would say one team I really got my eyes on right now is the Patriots. They're a team that obviously they've been in the playoffs so much recently. There's a lot of hype around Mac Jones and everything. Truly, I always thought Mac Jones was the second coming of Andy Dalton, a guy who had a fairly... High floor, but fairly low ceiling. I never thought he was going to be great. I always thought he was just going to be kind of steady throughout his career.
1: A guy you settle on, basically?
0: Eh, Not how I might have put it, but it's not an inaccurate description. What do you think he's going to be?
1: What do I think Mac Jones is going to be? It's so hard to say at the moment. There's so many outlandish uh, comparisons. I mean, but also there's a lot of – he hasn't showed too, too much. He's got a great head coach, great system intact. Matt Ryan would be the ceiling for me. Okay. Because this team has lacked consistent wide receivers. But if you look at his work ethic, the brain and the arm are there. The wide receiver talent needs to be upgraded. He didn't throw to tight ends as much when there's two stud tight ends he's got on that roster. This team is complete, and that's really just, hey, Mac, it's on your hands. What do you want to do?
0: Fair enough. Also been speculating how I think the Jaguars are going to turn out this year. Obviously, last year was just a chaotic mess. But this year, the pressure's got to be on Trevor Lawrence because you got a Super Bowl champion head coach. You've spent a lot of money in free agency, and of course, Lawrence was supposed to be the next big thing. And I'll give him a pass for last year, but you can't run with the excuses forever. Eventually, you got to play up to your potential. And I think we're going to see a pretty big step forward this year. Still don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but I think six, seven wins for them is doable. But I think that wraps up our trip around the league. You got any final thoughts?
1: Any final thoughts about the episode? Hmm. I had one just recently, too. Oh, well, I think I'm good.
0: Okay, me too. So remember to check us out on Twitter, guys. Gavin Gridiron. And on behalf of A.J. Torres,
1: I'm Josh McSwain. Thank you once again for listening. We'll see you next time.